Welcome to another one of our weekly breakdowns of politics in the week. Uh, live at the Space Bar, as we have decided, I think, to call it. Uh, we have so much to talk about tonight. It's a little bit ridiculous. Um, there has been some fascinating <laughs> developments in the world of Alberta politics over the last little while. And we're going to try to cover it as much of it as we possibly can uh, over the next hour or so. And as always, uh, I were joined tonight by Sarah Biggs, who is a public relations professional. Uh, she's a political who has operated at all levels of government, municipal, provincial, and federal. And she's here to make sure that uh, we, we stay on track and that I don't say entirely wrong things all the way through it. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us again tonight. How are you? I'm I'm excited. I'm not going to lie. This is uh this is <laughs> quite the quite the evening I think we've got ahead of us here. <laughs> I just can't stop laughing. Uh, I'm angry. I'm extremely tired cuz I got my Pfizer booster today, so I'm I'm kind of feeling feverish. And so it feels like everything is Hitting the fan. That's how well, it feels. <laughs> even as even if you even if you feel a little bit feverish though, let's let's start things off That's with okay. a, a bang right out of the gates. How do you feel living in the most Canadian province in the entire country? But aren't we? <laughs> Well, apparently, that's 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 what I hear. That's well, what the, the Premier of Alberta says. I heard that a Canadian's a Canadian's a Canadian. So, you know, I didn't know that we had an extra gold star on their passport. Um, I didn't know we were paying the most um, income tax in the country. I didn't know we were <laughs> not bashing other provinces to get to our means. Um, are we? I, well... I'd like see my whole question is I, the the way that the Mr. Kenny phrased it by saying that Alberta was the most Canadian of all provinces. Uh, that makes me wonder where do where do the territories fit in and who's number two? I feel like I'm having like a fever dream. <laughs> <laughs> who's number two? Well, this is the thing. Like I. I, I I Quebec? feel like somebody should do a rant. I don't know if Quebec gets it this week. I don't know. Quebec is in the Quebec's in the doghouse this week. We're, uh, we're going to get to that. But why does he? It just baffles me of all the things he could talk about. Is he just like, like trying to, you know, pat himself on the back and say, "Yeah, we're the most Canadian." Really, I don't even. Uh, I don't... I, extra patriotism points this week i i really don't understand why how we even came up with that i'm curious about it because the i mean to me and and i'm just speaking for myself here but to me the the idea of of canada incredibly complicated and more often than not problematic than i think most people want to acknowledge even on yeah. very obvious days the the differences between provinces and territories are so enormous yes. that for you know Canada is what it is as a whole it is it is the I, the argument that I would use is that the the sum of the parts you know are are greater than the whole um, and that's that's kind of like to to say that one particular area of Canada is the most Canadian. You know, that's like, to me, kind of saying, you know, the kidneys are, Nate's kidneys are more Nate than Nate's lungs. I like having all of them. Everything from Mr. Kenny these days seems to be a competition. Anything that he can throw out there to just get a couple of brownie points at me. Yeah. You know, kind of from the crowd, he's going to try to do it. But at the end of the day, this comes from, oh my God, I'm going to be hated for that, but this comes from a petulant child. Really? Like he had, he has the worst attitude 
Oh, well, maybe of not all the premiers. There's a few that kind of stand right next to him, but it's it was it's so childish. Like everything he's been, just the way he's been running his politics and all of his comments are just like my my grade four kid can come up with better things to say than that. Well, it's interesting because I mean it certainly fits with his general motif, which seems to be um, petulant child. Think- I don't think I've ever seen Mr. Kenny celebrate something for being something. There's always the, we're going to celebrate this because no one else is, or we're going to celebrate this because it's better than this. Um, And and I I don't think that that saying something nice just for the sake of saying something nice is is really in his, his wheelhouse at all. There's always a but. It's always, like I always say, it's always in the fine prints. Yep. Always in the fine prints, people. Um, is there anything to it? No. Was it childish? Yes. How did he come up with it? No clue. I thought it was really funny. More than I anything. thought it was hilarious. We are in the bestest, <laughs> most provinces province of the country. We're not one of the founding provinces, which is interesting. Uh, we're, one but, of, we're one of the newer provinces, if you actually take a look at the, the, the timeline. But No, Jason, you keep doing you. Let's keep it going that way. Now keep we, us employed. Yeah. Sarah and I had worked out a list getting ready for tonight's uh, conversation. And we had a whole plan. Everything figured out. <laughs> it was so pretty. <laughs> and we're going to try to hit most of it. But there's been a development. Yes. Uh, so for anybody who hasn't been paying attention to the, the Twitterverse or the Facebookverse or anything like that for the last literally only hour and a half, I think it's been, um, the nomination race in Fort McLeod has concluded and Mr. Brian Jean came out not just the victor. He came out the victor with room to spare. Can I make a correction? It's Fort McMurray Lacklebish. That's fair. Absolutely. I stand corrected. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's fair. Um, but he won with 68% of the vote. He did. He is by any measure... Uh, assuming that Mr. Kenny doesn't find a reason not to sign his nomination paper. <laughs> that, that's, uh, that's next. That's next. Um, he, he will be the nomination in, in the by in the, or the nominated candidate for the UCP in the by-election, assuming that the rules don't change, which as we're going to discuss a little bit later, wouldn't be entirely off brand, but it's really an interesting development because the other candidate that was running um, was a candidate that had enjoyed some support uh, reportedly in a number of ways from team Jason Kenny. Where did but, the support go? Well, where did the support go? And more interesting to me is the fact that Brian Jean won so handily and he ran on, we have to get rid of Jason Kenny. Mm-hmm. He's still running on, he released a Facebook uh, statement where he made it very, very clear. He's still running on. <laughs> We need to get rid of... Oh, he's planning a big uh, 2022 Alberta tour. Yeah. Which will be interesting. So there's... It it seems very clear that this nomination race... And I mean, for anyone who's been paying attention, I think it's been pretty obvious that this nomination race was never just about who's going to be the next MLA for Fort McLeod. Lack of It's It's much bigger stakes than that. So what what do you make of tonight's excitement sarah well nobody should be really surprised because brian jean by himself has a pretty well-oiled machine um when it comes to political operations and getting the votes and selling memberships he's really good at that um but like i was thinking and like you said in your intro will jason sign the nomination papers da 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 um I'm curious to see how he's going to a either just try to get rid of Gene and be like, no, I don't agree with it. I will be parachuting my candidate, which would not work with the with their constitution. But really, the UCP is really good at not following their own rules. 
or B, he will sign them, but he will try to tank him? What? So here's my question. Would Jason Kenny be willing to lose Fort McMurray? Not let J uh, Brian Jean in. I don't think he's got a pathway to do like, and I mean, I, I, I say this fully acknowledging that I've been surprised by a couple of the events of the week. Um, but I don't think that he really has uh, a pathway to not have Brian Jean win there because I mean, the, the bottom line is that's, that's Brian Jean's, um, that's his sandbox. That's that's where he he has done all of his Brian Genie things by and large. Yeah, and that's where all of his his strength is. And the NDP does have a candidate that they're going to be running who who seems like a very very good candidate. But the the fact of the matter is is that I think that because Mister Gene has made his nomination race and ultimately will absolutely be making the by election about coming for Kenny. I think that, that even if Jason Kenny was to say he doesn't get any support from anyone, I would bet you money that I can think of at least two or three sitting UCP MLAs who will go up there and who will absolutely campaign for him in this by-election. Uh, and, and we're talking about current sitting UCP MLAs. We're also talking potentially about, about independents um, who may very well be willing to line up behind Brian Jean as well. I think that mm -hmm. there's, there's so many variables at play and there's so many places that I think Brian Jean could draw support from that even if Kenny was to say, okay, so yeah, you get the nomination, but we're not going to give you any financial support. We're not going to give you any logistical support. Um, I almost think it would be a worse outcome for Kenny if Brian Jean running as the UCP candidate um, in the only by-election that we have before, presumably, uh, the next provincial election, whether that's a snap election or as scheduled, for... Uh, as strong as a conservative candidate as Brian Jean is for him to lose there would be a real, I think it would be interpreted across the province as a, a real weakness, a sign of weakness um, in, in not only the UCP, but if, if Kenny can't get that seat for the UCP um, with Brian Jean running as the candidate, Boy, does that say a lot about what's going on there. It's all complicated. It's extremely complicated. So a lot of people could see as Brian Jean's sign, uh, papers being signed by Kenny as uh, Jason Kenny accepting his faith. That could be one of them. Yeah. Um, another one could be Jason gives a really, really cold shoulder to Brian Jean and will not will not send any um, support up there uh, to run the campaign. Uh, Mr. Kenny likes power, but he, I, I strongly believe they he would like to remain in power in a somewhat peaceful and whipped caucus and as long as he can. Um, or maybe he's just going to try to wiggle out of it. Really, that's I'm thinking that he's going to try to wiggle out of that one. I'm seriously well, thinking that he might actually try and see what he can do. Actually, his board seems that, you know, what we saw with the, the vote at uh, the convention about uh, bringing, um, you know, an earlier leadership review... Uh, and we're all meeting in Red Deer, apparently, in the spring, in April. So, who knows? The board seems to be pretty loyal to Mr. Kenny. To me, I feel like the board is stacked. So, we shall see what's going to happen. Well, that kind of segs into the, like what you're talking about there with the the early leadership review. That was one of the things this week that I have to be honest. Uh, it took me by surprise 
because the the one of the biggest talking points of that convention and one of the biggest things that I think a lot of people were watching for was to see whether or not the motion to increase the number of constituency associations that could call for a leadership review would go through successfully. And it didn't. It was voted, uh, effectively voted down. It didn't get the supermajority that it needed to become a new policy. So the 23 constituencies that met the 22 constituency association threshold to call for a leadership review submitted their papers. And I honestly not expect to see the UCP board go and say, well, you know what? Yeah, they do have the power to do that, but we're doing one anyways. And technically we get to decide when it's going to happen. And they just completely, like the reaction from, from people across the, the political spectrum to that decision seems to have been one of, I can't believe they just completely disregarded the, the mechanisms that exist within their own party to, to force a leadership review. And they're just sticking ahead with their, their original plan. That, that really surprised me. So it's kind of that i'm kind of looking at the brian jean situation and i'm you know he's won the nomination and kenny did say that he would support whoever the the constituents of uh fort mcmurray uh lack uh elected the nominee but i can't help but wonder if there's still some sort of um little piece of dirt that exists on Brian Jean, some sort of potentially disqualifying information that we're going to see not Kenny say that they won't accept his nomination, but the board say that this is they're they're not going to accept his nomination. Because I think you're right. I think what we've seen from the board so far is a very, very stacked board that knows exactly what they're supposed to do because someone's yeah. telling them exactly what they're supposed to do. Yeah. I it's rare that I don't really have an opinion on something. But for me, what's going to happen with Brian Jean and the board and the UCP in general, Jason Kenny, for me right now, it's a wait and see game. It could go both ways. I think Kenny's going to try to wiggle out of that one. Maybe it's going to come from the outside. Maybe it's going to be coordinated dirt. Who knows? Um, I haven't really heard anything on my side. I think it's it's, it's, it's it's Game of Thrones. Oh yeah, it's definitely time to warm up the popcorn. There's no question because I think it, what we're going to see for the next few months is going to be very, very interesting. Winter's coming. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's it's either going to get really ugly or they're going to fake it until they make it. Well, the other piece that I find interesting that I think that we have to kind of tie into here is one of the, the things, I mean, we, we've seen the UCP as a provincial board disregard the, the wishes of at least 23 constituency associations. Um, they've disregarded the, the request from those constituency associations to hold an earlier leadership review. And mm -hmm. at the same time as they've done that, they're swearing on a stack of Bibles that their bylaws are so strong that the recent legislation that they passed, which is the uh, probably after Brian Jean, I would have to say the, the, the second biggest story in Alberta politics, in my opinion, which is worth next to nothing, but um, the, the passage of Bill 81. Mm -hmm. um, I want to, Sarah, for, first of all, for our listeners, can you spell out sort of what are, what are people's concerns with Bill 81? And so then what's your take on it? So what I've been hearing, I see that Deirdre's listening. So hi, Deirdre. Deirdre is a uh, woman of AB Poly, and we've been talking about it quite a bit this week. So <laughs> we're predicting busloads in Red Deer in the spring to go vote in favor of Mr. Kenny. So they're saying that their bylaws are super strong, or Pookie says that they're strong enough. It's Brock Harrison, by the way, if nobody knows the reference. Uh, so Pooks is like, no, no, our bylaws are solid. But what I'm worried about is that what will the PACs doing? Because it's not allowed within the party. But what if a non-member 
falls on a list of 500 names and decides to be super generous for Christmas and purchases those memberships. What if a pack that is not affiliated in brackets with the UCP decides that one of their members will be purchasing memberships well, I don't even for think a certain it has amount to be, of people? I don't even think it has to be a pack because we did see the news story that came out of the, the run-up to the AGM where there were companies, at least one that yeah. went public with it, that were talking about the fact that they wanted all of their employees to buy UCP memberships yeah. well, and go I was to the just AGM. To be nice well, I don't. I, I'm not. <laughs> but but that's not even a pack. That's a private company that, in yeah. order to try to curry favor with the government, was that they were going to buy memberships, they were going to go vote in the way that, that the Premier's office had indicated that they wanted people to vote. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, from a return on investment standpoint, if you, if you have a, a company with 100, 200 employees um, and you are in an industry that perhaps uh, Mr. Kenny has indicated that he has a uh, preference for, um, there's literally nothing stopping you from saying to your employees, guys, we're taking a, a PD day. Um, the company has bought everybody UCP memberships. We're all going to go down to Red Deer today and and vote in the the UCP um, leadership review. There's, to my understanding, with Bill eighty one, there's absolutely nothing that prevents that. Yeah, well, I need to double check. So uh, this is something that I have not checked. Is if this would be considered as a political contribution from a company? which is illegal. So there's ways around it, and I'm not going to mention them. Probably for the best. <laughs> yeah. There's ways around this. There's ways to, there's ways to do it. Um, but I need to double check if it would be legal for the corporation to purchase uh, the UCP memberships, the president of the corporation could use his personal money and make a donation and well, purchase at, the memberships. Yes. At 10 bucks a membership for 100 members, $1,000 is a heck of a return on investment if you're yeah. going to be getting, you know. If it comes out of his own personal pocket, totally illegal. Yeah. If it comes out of the books of the company, not so much. Um, it, then there's, there's accounting gymnastics behind that. Um, but I, again, I won't, I won't say how it can be done, but um, it's good. I'm, I'm predicting busloads in Red Deer. It's going to be the most beautiful attendance he's never seen. Best leadership review ever. Best leadership review ever. He will feel like a king. Um, the only other thing that I want to kind of talk about with Bill 81. Yes. Uh, is the way that it was passed and the fact that there were UCP MLAs as well as independent MLAs as well as the NDP who mm -hmm. all said there are way too many loopholes in here let's yep. close the loopholes let's let's do some amendments and close the loopholes well, and one of them was Leela one I of hear. them was Leela yeah um, another one was Richard Gottfried None of one was Drew Barnes, which interestingly said, you forgot the grassroots. Yeah. And your grassroots party. This is undemocratic. This is a non-democratic law. Yeah. And who was the fourth one? Uh, who was uh, the third Lowen. UCP? Lowen. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Um, is it surprising? No. Uh, could we say that some of the people with, okay, well, mine is Drew Barnes, that some of the people that spoke against that bill has somewhat a little bit of a moral compass left? Maybe. Um, I know that Mr. Gottfried has been extremely critical of Jason Kenney in the past year. Extremely critical. Uh, Miss Ahir, we just saw what she did. And Drew Barnes got kicked out. So everybody's 
everybody expressed their concerns, everybody expressed their worries, and they just could not be bothered uh, listening to them. Well, they structured the debate particularly to make sure that those those concerns did not get uh, hardly any time at all to be raised in the legislature. And when they were raised, they were dismissed, quite frankly, out of hand. I mean, the the two comments that were most telling to me were um, the justice minister's comment that this bill had to pass because of everything he had been through with that with the bill. Um, Ugh, poor that was thoughts and prayers, Mr. Madhu. <laughs> really, I feel extremely bad for you because that bill could have been shelved. It could have just been forgotten. He didn't have to work so hard on it. We're having other issues here. We're having a few. You know, I think they have problems focusing on what the real issues are. Uh, because, again, they are so scared of what's going to happen to them in a year and a bit uh, that they are really focused on their re-election. So no pity for Minister Madhu at this point. Um, can we give creativity bonus points to the House leader, Jason Nixon? I'm glad you got there. <laughs> oh, Jason, I'm glad Jason, you got Jason. There, that comment... Um... Fake... RCMP because I was like, no way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, maybe he was a little tired. It was late in the night. Few ministers had their ties undone a little bit, but really fake RCMP. <laughs> They're still under investigation. That was some straight up. I'm going to go ahead and just just say QAnon bullshit that he was throwing down in the legislature. When when he when he stood up and said the fake RCMP investigation, like I I can't imagine for the life of me, and this is probably why I, I would not do well in the UCP. Well, one of many reasons, um, but I can't imagine for the life of me what would lead him to think that saying fake RCMP investigation would do anything other than light up all of the conspiracy theorists um, with no concern for his responsibility as an MLA, as a minister, as a house leader to just throw out. He's not the best thinker. He's not the greatest thinker in the caucus. That's the case. B, he is known to make some poor decisions. Um, are you are you just are you just horsing around there, Sarah? Yes, I am. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> um, can we just say that this is the worst government ever? It's pretty just, remarkable. It's it's quite remarkable. It's it's and we're still going to be talking about it in three, five, six, ten years. Oh, somebody! Just, I guarantee you. I guarantee you, there are going to be PhD theses that are written about what has happened uh, over the the four years of the the UCP UCPing. Because we need to remember that that UCPing is not conservatism; it is populism. Yes, it's you know those guys are giving the conservatives a bad rep. Oh, with Pierre Poliev on the side there. But, you know, it's... I, when Drew Barnes said this is a threat to democracy and you are making legal what you are being under investigation for, and Jason Nixon, who is, what, six foot eight tall, rolls in the, in the ledge and said, fake news. Right? Really? That's all you got? Like, we can't even have an intelligent debate about this. All he found, all he got to say, he got up, he mumbled, Frank RCMP investigation, wah, 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 and then he sat down. Debate was over. I I just feel like, really, my sense is, is that they're, they're, they're making a place for Ted Cruz. In, in the Alberta legislature. No! Okay, so funny so that, story. So that Ted can come in and do a, a bit. 
So funny story. My daughter, so Ted Cruz was born at Foothills Hospital. And I was so sad when I found out that he was born there, knowing that I was going to give birth to my daughter on Ivanka Trump's birthday. I oh, was wow. doomed. Yeah, I was so I was so sad. Your daughter's delightful though. She is. She's really cute. She's when when she has snacks. There you go. <laughs> just like all of us, everything's yeah. better with snacks. snacks. But uh, no, I just can't believe how very little debate and substance there was from the UCP. And it was more a poor me, poor me. I've put so much. It's like if you're presenting a class project and your teacher is shutting it down and you say, but Mrs. Uh, I, I've put so much work into it. You should give me a gold star. <laughs> no, it doesn't work that way. But the substance of the debate was extremely uh, absent. Just performative. And especially, especially for a bill that is going to redefine how our democracy conducts itself uh, in so many ways. To have a purely performative, incredibly restricted debate that was not open to, to any... Intel. I mean, there were there were members of the UCP who voted for it who acknowledged, oh yeah, there's gaping loopholes in here that are probably going to be exploited, but we're just gonna we're gonna hope for the best. Yeah, but um, at what time did they adjourn the debate? Three a.m. Yeah, it was three a.m. That's yeah, yeah, you know that's an appropriate time when we know that there were other bills that were waiting to be voted on, especially. And I'm just gonna do a shameless plug here, Bill Two Twenty which would have given grieving parents of miscarriage or um, uh, babies born that still born three days of grief, grievance leave. Yeah. They rather want to focus on their own goddamn business that is crooked and wrong in so many ways. And, those bills got lost in the shuffle and died with the session. How sad is that? So a well, mother tomorrow that is losing your child is not entitled to three days leave. Yeah. And that's a story that we're going to be following up on. Uh, yeah. Because we, we do have an interview scheduled with one of the uh, biggest advocates behind that bill uh, to talk about, A, a little bit about what made that bill a thing and be what the, the next steps are because yeah. it is, it, it is horrifying to me to think that somebody can um, lose a child um, and not have any sort of latitude uh, for any sort of time with which to process that. That's, that's just, yeah. but you know, bill 81, bill, bill 81 is more important. Yeah. Well, to some people, clearly. I cannot. Um, I want to talk real quick. Uh, I just want to touch on it. Um, the, the EMS situation in this province. So we dropped our episode on Friday about the EMS situation where we had a chat with Mike Parker, who's the president of the Health Sciences Association of Alberta, which is the effectively the paramedics union in Alberta. And he had some really... Um, things that that he he brought forward and i just had to point out that we released that episode on friday and the hsaa reported friday night um that there were red alerts or no ambulances available for chunks of the evening um on friday night for both calgary and edmonton um and so, I mean, that flies directly in the, the premier's comments that there's been an abatement of those uh, circumstances, because clearly that's not the case. Um, but it also underscores, I think, and obviously, you know, if you listen to the episode, my bias is quite literally front loaded on that one. Um, but I think it really underscores how important it is that, that people start having conversations about the EMS situation, um, because the the stuff that Mike talked about in that episode was really quite alarming. And the fact that, like I said, the day that we released it, we saw multiple red alerts uh, across Alberta in some of the biggest municipalities. We saw uh, reports from HSA as well about trucks traveling um, an hour 
to get to calls. Uh, these, these are things that have the potential to really impact all Albertans. And uh, as Mike raised in the, the interview himself, he made the point that, uh, you know, if you're living in a rural setting, your expectations for services are going to be somewhat less than what you would expect to see in a, a major municipality. But when you, even the major municipalities don't have any ambulances that they can throw at somebody's worst day ever, um, that's, uh, to me, a symptom of a healthcare system that is not doing anywhere near as well as the, the government would, would like us to believe, even the number of delayed surgeries that we've seen. Um, we made the point earlier today that uh, for the number of surgeries that are, are being delayed, you're looking at the town of Drumheller, but 10 of them, the entire population. So 10 times the population of, of the, the town of Drumheller not having access to, to surgeries when they need it. And unfortunately, we saw in the news this week a very tragic story of a woman who uh, was scheduled to get uh, surgery uh, for cancer. That surgery was delayed uh, and her cancer, cancer is no longer treatable. Um, it's, it's terminal at this point. And that there's a much bigger conversation that I think that, that we need to have about how are we going to deal with the healthcare crisis in this, in this province going forward. But I, I personally, obviously for tremendously biased reasons, thinks that a big part of that conversation has to do with our emergency resources. Um, I wanted to get your perspective on a PR thing though. Uh, Angela Pitt. <gasps> it's, it's good when somebody laughs, at just the mention of a name. Um, so Angela Pitt made a big parade this week about how she sat down with a bunch of anti-vax parents mm -hmm. um, uh, who are advocating that their kids should not get vaccinated. This flies directly in the face of all of the messaging that we've been seeing from the provincial government in regards to the importance of vaccines. And it also comes at a time where Jason Kenney is talking about loosening restrictions mm -hmm. despite some absolutely horrifying projections coming out for what omicron is going to be doing uh over the next few months what what would you like from a professional standpoint what would you be saying to angela pitt in regards to the messaging that she's putting out there and secondary to that what would you be saying to jason kenny about angela pitt First, okay, so let's start with Jason Kenny. Okay. I would say, Jason, you're neither out of your caucus. And then I would look at Angela Pitt and say, I'm sorry, you're out. Thank you. That's, that's, that's direct. You're going to sit next to Drew Barnes across the aisle in the tiny little corner we have reserved for you. That's where she belongs. It is horrifying that they are trying to but again, it's all about their personal agenda. They don't do it. It feels like a lot of those MLAs are not there for the common good, which is initially what why you run, is to try to make your province, well, maybe I, I've put my pink glasses here, but, you know, you try to make your province a better place to be. You want your kids to be safe. You want a good health care system. You don't want any problems. You want a good education system. And then you have Angela Pitt. Who. Bends over backwards. To make sure that she's being heard. And to. Apparently she reached what. How many 13,000 people. Yeah. Where did she found them on Facebook. That would be, it, it would have had to have been an online thing. There's no way that she reached 13,000 signatures only, in there's person. Only, there's one way to find that kind of people. It's on Facebook. Because um, there's quite a few rural um, Facebook groups are quite entertaining out there, COVID-wise. Um, but she, if I was Jason Kenny, anyone that is not following the line of command in regards to vaccination messages and whatnot, out. But again, what's interesting, we're going to be bridging to something else because it ties in extremely well. So we have um, 
Kenny is saying vaccine, 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 vaccines. And then we have Adrianella Grange. And then the CBE says, your kids are not allowed to talk about vaccines in schools because reasons, personal freedoms, blah, 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 blah. Um, it will be tolerance zero. How interesting is that? So we go to vaccine saves lives in purple to Jason Kenny wants to have three households in his house for Christmas to Angela Pitt, who says vaccines are bad. You shouldn't get anyone vaccinated to vaccination is a taboo subject in school. What does that tell you about the government? What's well, the, there's been a lot of really interesting discussion that I've been watching on the, the vaccines in schools because there, there seems to be like, it's such a complex issue. There seem to be some people that are saying, you know what, if, if kids are coming to school and they're not vaccinated because their parents aren't allowing them to get vaccinated, we don't want them to get bullied. And obviously we don't want anyone getting bullied. That, yep. that should be a, that should be a no brainer. Um, at the same time, the, the there's been a couple of teachers who have have reached out uh, to the breakdown and who have said, you know what, these kids are coming to school and they are so excited about the fact that they've gotten vaccinated because they've watched the grownups in their family get yeah. vaccinated. They've watched their grandparents get vaccinated. And kids love, especially smaller kids, love to share this stuff. Why can't um, we turn this vaccination discussion into a positive one and be like if someone cannot get vaccinated because their parents decided for them that they wouldn't get vaccinated let's not bully them but let's have a good meaningful really discussion about the benefits of vaccination absolutely backed with science let's make the experience positive it's like today my my, do- my nine years old, I was like, oh, I went and I grabbed my booster. She was like, oh, you didn't text me about it? I was like, no, sorry, I forgot. Um, at school, we're all, like, she was telling me that one of her friends, so one of her little friends at school, she was in the hospital for two weeks due to COVID, and she was set to receive her COVID vaccine, and she tried to encourage her and be like, you know what, you will almost not feel anything. And they're trying to support each other and lift each other up. And this is not... I would love, love for a teacher to call me one day to say, Mrs. Biggs, your daughter's been talking about vaccines at school. And we need to take disciplinary action. Oh, wow. Good good luck. (laughs) Well, the other piece that's interesting to me that that came out of this conversation as well is the fact that... Um, because of the the fear around angering parents who have decided that they're not going to get their kids vaccinated, mm-hmm. um, the CBE has taken the stance, and apparently they're not the only board in Alberta that has taken the stance, that there will be no field trips to any facilities that require vaccination for entry, which is fascinating to me because the government has come out and they've said, hey, we're going to have this vaccine exemption program that uh, businesses can be a part of so that they can have uh, as many, as much of a return to normal as possible, given the circumstances. And the school boards are not going to be able to access those facilities or those, those businesses. And it's not based on if you're not vaccinated, you don't get to go. That's not the decision that the school boards appear to have made. The decision appears to be um, we're just, we don't even want to have the conversation. We don't want to have the parents come unglued. So we're just not going to go anywhere that requires any sort of vaccination. So I'm wondering where those orders come from. Do they come from the very top in the letter strongly suggesting? I can't say suggesting tonight. I'm sorry. That's all good. Implying that, you know those are the things you need to do towards vaccination do or cannot do or is it the the cbe that made the decision by themselves to not anger anyone because it looks a lot like 
uh, the higher powers didn't want to upset their base. Again, we're peddling to the base. It always goes back to the base. And this government always, always makes decisions for their political gains. And again, our kids are the ones that are paying the price. What's wrong in the picture here? Yeah. So I would love to know what the Edmonton School Board decided to do. Apparently, based on what we've, some of the DMs that we've got, and we haven't seen any official communications from the, the Edmonton School Board, but yeah. from the, the DMs that we've gotten from teachers, this is the stance that's being done across the province. So, you know, I think it's an email coming from top, the top of the food chain. It's it got to be. It seems like it. It seems like it. They don't want to um, anger the parents. They don't want to anger the voters. Yeah. Speaking of teachers, mm. we got two things we got to hit on here. We'll, we'll start with the the the, the more uh, uh, less alarming, depressing. I don't know what the term would be. Uh, we had a bunch of NDAs expire. So NDAs, yeah. for anyone who's not familiar with the term, are non-disclosure agreements. Teachers who reviewed the curriculum that's currently being trialed in a not even a handful, a, a, a very, very small number of school boards across the province because the vast majority of school boards have said this curriculum is harmful and we don't like harming kids. So no, we will not be piloting it. Mm -hmm. um, a bunch of teachers came out this week and shared their stories about how uh, that consultation process went and I know that I've used the word performative a couple of times tonight, and I'm going to have to use it again here because the vast majority of teachers that have spoken out, in fact, I, I haven't seen any reports of a sing single teacher who was involved in the K through six, uh, particularly the social studies curriculum, but there were a lot of other ones, including uh, English um, that, that, or language arts that came out, um, where the teacher said, I read the curriculum, I said, Oh my God, this is, this is terrible. I mean, there's, I have seen the word shit appear in print more times in the last week referring to the curriculum than I think I've ever seen appear in print. Um, because teachers were horrified at how bad it was and their concerns as part of the consultation process were almost entirely, if not entirely ignored. So I got to ask, Sarah, Yeah. do you think that there is, like, it, it seems certainly, and we've, we've, we've seen no shortage of air quotes consultation that the UCP has done that has resulted in the predetermined outcome being met. Do you have any doubts that the, the curriculum consultation, air quotes, is actually looking at it proving the curriculum or is it just another ticky box that the UCP and Andrea Lana Grange and Jason Kenney can say, oh no, but we consulted. The latter. It's always that's, been let's meet the minimum requirements so we can ram something into <laughs> into effect. Um, they're ticking the box. How no, do you, so here's no educator in their right mind would sign off on this curriculum. Even some conservative teachers that I spoke to are saying that the social study program needs to be scrapped. So here's my question for you. Yeah. You you do you do the public relations thing. What would you say to let's say the ATA? Um, I mean, they, they have done a great job as, as this, the, the NDA has expired. There was a, a really good exercise in squirrel uh, that the UCP threw out there when they announced that they were going to be removing the ATA's ability to conduct disciplinary stuffs. Um, but if you were the ATA, if you were, if the ATA call, called you up and said, hey, Sarah, um, this curriculum is so, so, so bad. And this consultation is so, so, so performative. How do we get people to hear that? How do we, how do we get people to realize just what a predetermined outcome is going on here? What would you, what would you tell them? 
You're mean. Well, um, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, that's more than a five seconds answer. But what you, what we could do is like a town hall with the parents. Um, town halls are very effective into uh, doing kind of a Q&A type of answer. And they tend to be very, very popular. Uh, protests would be another one. But at this point, so here's my worry. And it links with the next subject as well. So here's my worry. And please tell me if I'm crazy. With the current government removing disciplinary action power that have been given that were given to the ATA a long time ago, would those disciplinary powers could also be used by the government to punish the teachers that are not following the new curriculum? Well, the, the law is that once the, the, the province says, all right, it's official, here's our curriculum, yeah. the, the law is such that that's the curriculum that legally has to be taught in the province of Alberta, which is one of the reasons why I think there's so many people who are trying to raise the alarm about it right yeah. now, because there is a point of no return. And I think that, honestly, the teachers, oh my God, everybody's going to hit, the teacher needs to walk out. That'll be interesting to see what happens next September. We do not, at this point, we're 10 months away of lighting that tire, pile of tire on fire. Insider, do you need to walk out? Do you need to do more protests? Or we need to pray to baby Jesus that we're going to get a snap election? Well, there is. Or we could maybe fight it. Maybe they could go in court, get an appeal. Be like, look, this is not the consensus. And then maybe try to delay it as much as they could. But it'll, I would say it'll be get, to get out. Yeah. I know that there is a protest coming up on the 18th in Calgary. Yes. Um, Krista Lee is organizing it. My, my good friend Krista. This is what I hear. And uh, yeah. it's going to be held at the McDougal Center. I want to say it's at noon. And yes. uh, we're we're going to be going down there, uh, the breakdown is, and we're going to be live tweeting it, and we're going to see if we can't talk to a few folks and maybe throw together our very, very last episode of the of the year. Based I'm going to try to stop by. You should. Maybe we should do that. You should. We should. Hey, I absolutely think you should. Um, we had a couple more topics that we were going to cover, but we're running close to the end. So there's just two things that I wanted to mention real quick. Yeah. Um, and then I'm going to turn it over to you for the last few minutes, because I know that you have a few things that you wanted to talk about. Uh -huh. um, the, the big thing that I wanted to, to sort of hit on with that, uh, the predetermined conclusion piece is the UCP also announced this week that they are going to be doing a committee uh, to examine safe supply. And for <sighs> anybody who's not familiar with the idea of safe supply, one of the things that anybody who's working in frontline healthcare will happily tell you right now, well, maybe not happily, but will honestly tell you right now, is one of the biggest issues that we're dealing with when it comes to the opioid crisis and people overdosing and dying um, is the fact that a, there's an incredible amount of stigma of it. There's not enough access for supervised consumption sites where people can be resuscitated in a timely manner. But the other piece, and the biggest piece, quite honestly, is the fact that there is no quality control over street drugs. And one of the things that we're seeing more and more and more in drugs that are being sold as opioids is that they're not, uh, or they're not just opioids. There's a bunch of other stuff that's mixed in with them. And this is rendering, in many cases, uh, Narcan or Naloxone uh, largely ineffective. And this is driven, uh, yet again, it's not a new topic, but it's driven another conversation around the idea of should there be some sort of quality control over the types of, of pharmaceuticals that, that people are using. And when you talk to anybody who has any experience with 
uh, I shouldn't say that. When you when you take a look at the evidence that's out there in regards to the impact that safe supply would make, the evidence is overwhelming that not only does safe supply save lives, but it also has a lot of other impacts in regards to a lot of the other social things that people complain about when we're talking about people who are using uh, pharmaceuticals for whatever reason. And the UCP announced that they were going to be commissioning a panel to look at this. But this panel already, from the, the tone of the announcement, you can see that they are approaching it with even more skepticism than they approached their supervised consumption site panel. And so I think that it's really important to, to contextualize that that piece because we just did a whole episode on harm reduction and it's quite frankly alarming to me that the the ucp appear to be um commissioning a new panel to take a look at safe supply but they are already talking about it in a way that is just a hair hair's breadth away from a jason lawan tweet about uh, big pharma influencing the data um so that's something that we're going to be watching very, very closely here at the breakdown and something that we're definitely going to be when they actually make whatever announcements they make, we're going to be scrutinizing the holy heck out of them. Um, but before we go, Sarah, there were two topics that uh, I, I want to make sure that you have some space to talk about. Um, and I know the one you want to be brief on, but I think that it's important that we acknowledge it, even though it is a little bit later in the week. Um mm-hmm. And the they're they're both they're both Quebec related, so I'm going to turn it over to you now. <laughs> Thank you. So, um, I have noted on social media for the past um, last week when they were talking about um, some commentary about uh, December sixth. And trying to, so, it got me quite upset as they tried to make December 6th about them. They tried to make December 6th about something that they have heard or seen or that is somewhat extremely irrelevant about December 6th. When we need to remember about December 6th is that it was an armed man walking in and executing nine women that were against the wall. It's not something that you might heard of or some allegations or not. Do not take, and please, please do not take away December 6th from those women. We shall always remember their names and we shall never me- mention his name. That's what shocked me last week in some of the comments is that some people out there took the essence of December 6th away from it and tried to turn it into something that, you know, they think that might have happened or, you know, they might not have been agreed with. So it was extremely upsetting to see because I, I, I was in Quebec when that happened. I remember that night extremely well. And that night, I will forever remember, I was six years old. My babysitter was stuck in the building. We didn't know if she made it or not. But December 6th should always be about those women. We raise awareness against violence against women not what we think might have been violence. We need to honor those ladies year after year after year. And the second thing, Bill 21. Nate, would it be fair for me to say that Bill 21 justify Quebec's further means of just being plain racist? I think it would be fair to say that, particularly given some of the comments that came out of Quebec this week. But this so is- we... You know, we're in 2021. We're trying to teach people to be, to accept each other, to love each other, to be. But a teacher wearing a veil on their head should have never been hired at the first place. 
And we're not talking rural Quebec here. We're talking 20 minutes away from the national capital in Chelsea. It's literally 15 minutes away from Parliament Hill. I'm shocked. I'm disgusted. I'm not surprised because that generation, those people who put Bill 21 in effect, are racist. And they've been raised that way. And that bill is just a way for them to... It's Catholicism blanketed in secular, secular, secularism. That's what it yeah. is. It's I a saw... fake. It's a fake. Like people can still wear their crosses around their necks. It's yeah. hypocrisy at its finest. I saw a really powerful. Normally, I'm not a big big meme guy. Um, yeah. But I saw a really powerful meme that said, if this bothers you and this doesn't, um, it's it's because you're racist. And it was a picture of a, um, a, a Muslim woman wearing a hijab, and it was a picture of a nun wearing a habit. And from a purely functional standpoint, there's very little difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if you're okay with nuns wearing habits in schools or in public places, then you have to be okay. Uh, we should be, otherwise you're just racist, uh, with anybody wearing any sort of, of religious um, garments, um, whether or not they're, they're part of your faith or not, or part of your not faith or whatever the case may be. It has always been a source of incredible fascination to me that there are people who jump up and down about how important and how strong their faith is. But that same faith is so fragile that it can be threatened by the clothes that another person chooses to wear. Yeah. Uh, that to me is, that, that tells you everything you need to know right there. But Nate. When I was in high school, the nuns that were teaching me were wearing veils. Uh, the fathers that were teaching me Latin, Latin, 1995, 1996, 1997, were wearing priest robes. I was going to mass a lot. I was going to confession every Friday. Quebec is so ingrained in Catholicism. But I saw some interesting comments, and sorry, we're going a little bit longer than what we thought we would. But I think it's you know, it's okay. People are like, "Yeah, but it's it's the traditions. It's it's you know what our founders." No, no, no. Again, we live on stolen stolen land. This was imposed by the settlers, and we tend to forget that. Okay, Christmas a religion. Why is uh, Christmas is a tradition, not a religion? I'm sorry. Why are if they're trying to, you know, de-religionize the schools and the public system? Why don't you just cancel the Christmas holiday and Easter, right? And create a different holiday for all of the saints. Quebec's national holiday is on Saint Jean Baptiste Day, John the Baptist. Every single village in Quebec is starts by Saint. That's how deep Catholicism is in Quebec. I don't know for you if you have any visit in Montreal. There's a church on every street corner. I have never been to Montreal. I it's on my list. Yeah, um, but I've I've never been, uh, and I think it's important to clarify. Like I, I have some problems with some of the things that the Catholic Church has done. Yeah, but if if somebody wants to be a Catholic, fill your boots, man. Like I, I don't you care. do you. But it, when, as soon as you start saying what other people should not, should or should not be able to believe, like my my fundamental rule is: as long as you're not hurting anybody else. Yeah. If you want to believe in Catholicism, if you want to be an Anglican, or if you want to believe in the flying spaghetti monster, I don't 
care, but yeah. don't try to impose your religious values on other people. And do you know what I'm sure that teacher was doing? Was not imposing her religion on those kids. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And she was the bigger person in the room. Yeah. As is and it's all extremely too unfortunate. But it's good old Quebec, so, you know, they need a lot to justify their bullshit. <laughs> and I'll point out that it's the French person on the podcast who said that, for the record. Um, mm -hmm. I, yeah, I, born and raised. There we go. Yeah. Um, anything else you wanted to throw out there to the ether, Sarah, before we, we shut it down? Because we're, we're going. I think I'm good. It's, cool. it's, been, a, it's been an interesting night. Let's, let's see what happens this week. We covered a lot of ground. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how Mr. Mr. Kenny handles the whole Brian Jane situation. I think it's going to be spicy. So do you think that the, the measures will be uh, relaxed this, this week so Jason oh, yeah, can have gonna, his uh, Christmas wish list? He's not going to walk that back. He came out last week and said, oh, Tuesday, just you wait and see. Um, should, should we send him the graphic from Ontario? Well, that's right. Like, there's there's a couple of them out there that I've seen that, like, oh, I don't like that at all. And that's with current measures. That's not yeah. with lightning measures. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, with this the actual situation. If we keep going that way, this is, guys, the line is like vertical. It's yeah, not it's, good. it's bad news bears. Yeah, I'll talk to you next Sunday. Our last one before Christmassy. It will be the last one before Christmas, and. I don't know if uh, we'll we'll have to talk about if we're going to do a Boxing Day special show. I'm I kind of okay feel with like that. I feel like we should. I'm I'm up for it. Um, I'm not going to go shop anyways because I hate the mall, so I'll be. Oh, home. you couldn't pay me enough money to go to a mall on Boxing Day. Um, yeah. So thank you again so much, Sarah. Um, thank you. And thank you to everybody who hung out and listened to this. And for everybody who's listening to the podcast version as well, big thank you for your continued support. As always, shameless plug, this is where I get to be. Everybody jump off the Twitter spaces. Um, if the kind of content that we're trying to produce here at The Breakdown is something that you find value in, please consider signing up to be one of our monthly supporters at our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash TheBreakdownAB because we have some new toys that we really want to buy. There's a, there's a new interview mic set that uh, is, is coming out in about a month, and I'm so, so, so excited for it. And we buy all of our toys and equipment with the... Money that our Patreon supporters provide us. So if you want to see us doing more in-person interviews, as long as we're legally allowed to, then um, please consider signing up at Patreon. And again, thank you everybody so much for your time and your attention. And we've got another episode coming up later this week. And we're going to be talking about the curriculum again with another teacher who's got some very strong opinions on it. So keep an eye out for that on Friday. Thanks again, everyone. Have a great week. Stay safe. Have a good week.